We are duck hunting fanatics. Knee deep in the duck blind. If it flies, it dies. Only duck hunting fanatics know what it feels like to see a brightly colored Drake Mallard cup its wings and soar towards your decoys. It's what we do and it's what we love. Duck hunting fanatics with boots on the ground, eyes in the skies reports. And we get it from professional duck guides all across the country. We interview them for their top tips and tricks from their years of experience from the duck hunting blind. This is Duck Hunting Fanatics, and this is Eric Wilkes. Greetings, friends and fellow duck hunting fanatics. Eric Wilkes here back with another episode of Knee Deep in the Duck Blind. And today we have Mike Mancini with us. Um, he is the owner of How to Hunt Outfitters. We're not here to sell you an outfitter package unless you really want want that, but uh, we're here to talk about some duck hunting. And um, Mike's got a pretty cool story. Mike actually uh, didn't start hunting until he was around 20 years old. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit today more towards, you know, some of you guys that are maybe new to duck hunting. Maybe it's your first or second year, or maybe you're just, just getting into it and you're considering going out for the first time this year. Hopefully we give you a little bit of, of words of encouragement and um, Mike can give you some really good tips on what to look for and really how he looks at outfitting because he looks at it a little bit differently, uh, but I'm going to let him speak to that. So Mike, thanks for joining us on the show, man. Appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Eric. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, I also found out as we were kind of chatting there, which we'll talk a little bit about, uh, we both actually live in Wisconsin. So We'll talk about, uh, for those of you that are maybe uh, up, up in the Northwoods uh, or up here in the northern part of the states, we'll talk about some of the challenges we see um, hunting here because we know a lot of us are public land hunters and um, uh, we can speak to some of those challenges and maybe help a couple of you guys out with some valid tips. So, uh, you know, again, Mike, thanks for joining us. You know, let's just open this. Let's just start because I know you didn't get started into hunting uh, until you were a little bit older, what inspired you to get, what, what inspired you to, to take the leap and go for it? Yeah. So, um, I grew up outside Chicago and, um, my dad is from Italy. Um, so we didn't really have a whole lot of outdoor experience. Um, as far as like hunting went, um, all, myself and my two brothers are both Eagle Scouts. So we got outdoor exposure that way, but we didn't really get exposure to the hunting community and, and what all that can do for a person. Um, and I was working my, you know, my part-time job, um, in college. And one of the people I worked with said, Oh, my husband hunts all the time. He goes pheasant hunting all the time. Do you want to go with him? And I'd kind of grew, grow up, um, reading stories of the West and, and like Gary Paulson novels where it's, you know, him and a dog out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, I had this romantic idea of what hunting could be. And I was like, shit, yeah, I want to go. So, um, so I walked to my hunter ed, um, because my first two years of college, I didn't have a car, um, with me. So I walked to hunter's ed and got my hunter ed certificate and, uh, went to a Dick's sporting goods and bought a Remington 870 for cheap. Cause they were having a big sale and went pheasant hunting. And from there, I just kind of dove in. It was like, you know, anybody I could find that was, oh, I, that did something different, right? Oh, hey, do you need any help? Or, you know, 
oh I, man i'd really like to try that you know when's the next time you're going would you mind taking me with you it was just anything and everything i could find to get more and more and more because i it uh turned quickly into an addiction <laughs> that's usually how it starts i you know and i think the, the first time guys go out um especially when you're you know out hunting and you're doing it for yourself the first time uh, it's it's definitely interesting and it does quickly become an addiction um you know it's 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 a lot of fun um and i'm always curious and thanks for sharing a little bit about your story because um, people have different reasons for, you know, their inspiration and, you know, hopefully out there, somebody that's out there that's listening, you know, maybe you're a little bit older or maybe you're not sure or you're uncertain, you know, just, just do it. Um, that's really all I can say is just, just go do it. And, uh, you hear, heard Mike's story, you know, he walked, he literally walked to his, his hunter ed course. So, uh, and there's plenty of courses out there. You know, I know, I think one thing, Mike, that I've noticed, at least in the industry that's changed really uh, over the last 10 years, it's, it's organizations that, um, actually will teach you how to hunt and teach you the, the basic concepts. Uh, there's a, several of them that come to mind off the top of my head. Uh, just look at what nonprofit organizations are out there. If you're, you know, again, new to the sport, uh, look in your local area, there's gotta be something that you can plug into. And then just like Mike, be resourceful and ask friends, ask family, ask anybody, you know, and just start paying attention to people who hunt and ask them to go with you. Most of us are have zero problems taking a, a new person with us that we can teach, train, and coach. Um, and I know I've I've done it a couple of times. I, I took a guy hunting for the first time. One of my really good friends now. He actually lives down down toward you uh, in uh, uh, near Oregon, oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. And no. I took him. Uh, he wanted to learn how to hunt. I said, "Well, let's go shoot some squirrels." And I took him out. And it took him, it took him, it took him about five squirrels and, and we, we got our limit or I got my limit and he realized I was using him as bait. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was using him. I'm like, yeah, go up there. I think, I, I think I heard her. I see one up there and I, 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 I let him just walk to the tree and then I'd stand back and shoot him right over the top of his head. <laughs> yep. Yep. Those squirrels run up the tree and I'm like, oh, there he is. Boom. <laughs> so he figured out that game pretty quick, but, uh, uh, you know, just have fun with it. Um, now, Mike, you know, you do, you do some bird hunting. Um, you, uh, you know, I saw, you know, I think you do some duck hunting. What's your favorite kind of hunting and why? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so my, my favorite type of hunting is the Wisconsin early teal season. Um, because when when they're here and when you find them it, it's non-stop action until everybody is done um they're relatively easy to decoy um when they decide to come in there's there's no stopping them which is great and they're usually pretty bunched up so if you've got somebody new with you um, and you're trying to teach them to pick a bird. Um, it, it's easy for them to miss on a single, but when you got a bunch of teal in your face, you know, yeah, they might miss the one they, hit, <laughs> but there's a lot of pellets in that, you know, in that you're number, gonna hit one. you're going to hit something. Yeah, exactly. And that's always a good feeling to be like, man, I know he was aiming at that bird three from the left and I know he hit the two in the back, but whatever, at least, you know, at least they're taking something home. 
Exactly. And it's about giving guys a, a good experience. And now, you know, I, I know you take, you have your outfitter business um, yep. and you, you, you have a very unique, different take on how to leverage or how to use an outfitter. And I mean, the name says it all right. How to hunt outfitters. So let's just talk a little bit about that because um, you know, again, I know a lot of what you do, you teach new hunters, like the art and the science and the basic concepts and give, so they walk away with the skill set. So let's just talk about that, what it's like and what led you to actually start the outfitter business that you're doing right now. Yeah. So I'm very lucky, um, that I've had really great mentors, um, throughout my hunting career, um, and I'm really lucky that I've had people show me what to do with, with everything from, you know, picking a new set of waders to um, looking at public land for areas that might not be as pressured to, um, you know, a northern shoveler isn't a bird you want to pluck and roast, you know, maybe turn that into jerky. Um, but your teal, your mallards, like here's some really great ways to cook those. And so I think that sometimes it can be really hard for people to ask for exactly what they're trying to ask for. Um, maybe they don't know how to ask it. Maybe they're uncomfortable at, you know, they've got somebody in their office that they know hunts, but they're a little leery of like, Hey, could you take me along? I kind of want to see what this is all about. So that was kind of the, the idea behind um the outfitter business everything from you know we can get as in-depth as somebody wants to as casual as somebody wants but the idea is that you know it, it's a little easier to make sure you're getting out of an experience what you want to get out of it when you're paying for it and that was the whole idea behind it it's like here you know i i try not to charge too much for my trips um because i really do believe in that you know give back and and make it easy for people. Um, so that was kind of the whole idea behind that. You know, some, some people might not know that, you know, there are certain types of ducks to pluck and eat. Some people might not have any idea how to cook a duck. And that's something that I offer as part of, you know, my, my adventure trip or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the experience. And, and I think that's part of it, especially for those of you that are maybe new and um, maybe, maybe, maybe you are reluctant to ask somebody, or maybe you just don't have anyone in your area or haven't been able to find anyone or, or, or groups or organizations that hunt that you want to plug into, or maybe you just don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, this would be an option. And I think that's, you know, I can't believe that how to hunt outfitters.com was available when you went to register it. But the concept here, I, I think is, is awesome for those of you that are maybe new, or maybe you're, you know, and it doesn't even matter. Like if you're experienced, um, you know, you can pick up something new because we all do things a little bit differently. And um, maybe you pick up something new just going out, you know, with uh, with Mike here. But I think the big thing is it's walking away with just a, a basic concept and a skill set where you can build that confidence. And I think that's the key word right there is, you know, if you're if you're new to the sport and still kind of unsure, still kind of learning and want to sort of uh, shortcut that so that you can learn a little bit faster, uh, you know, maybe consider going here and coming out to Wisconsin, um, you know, shoot, uh, uh, shoot, shoot Mike a message and heck I'll even join you on the hunt. Um, that's not too far of a drive for me. It's probably not more than a couple of hours. 
but uh, I'd be happy to come down and join you too. And uh, we'll just make a weekend of it. It'd be a how to hunt outfitters and a duck hunting fanatics, uh, a little, little excursion and we'll have some fun with it. So uh, yeah, just man. consider that. That would be awesome. That'd be a blast. So let's talk about early season teal for just a second. Um, yeah. What are you, what are, when you're out scouting, cause I know you do a lot of public land hunting. Um, yep. I do a lot of public land hunting. I know here in Wisconsin specifically, it can be a real challenge, sometimes borderline a pain in the ass because uh, a lot, so much of our land here is privately owned and you just don't have access to it. And then there are small pockets of public land that are are available but you got to be there first and uh, a lot of times they're in somewhat rural somewhat residential areas and so sometimes you can come into conflict with homeowners and different things so just talk about what you look for when you're trying to find a good place to hunt and then we can talk we, we can steer the conversation wherever it needs to go but I also want to talk a little bit about uh, and, and just to load this up and then I'll let you run. But I just want to talk a little bit about what to not, not only what to look for, but what to look out for uh, when it comes to uh, scouting areas and where you may come into potential conf conflict, where you do come into contact with a, a homeowner that's nearby. Yeah. So the the first thing I'm going to look for, um, and this might sound a little silly, but the, the very first thing I'm going to look for is um, I'll, I'll pull up a map and, um, I want to look at, I want to make sure that what I'm going to go scout is public because the last thing I want to do is be parked somewhere. I'm not supposed to be parked, um, walking through somebody's field or backyard or whatever it is where I'm not supposed to be. And, and then as long as I know that it's public, then the next thing I'm going to do is look for birds on the water. And that, that'll start even, you know, maybe 10 days before the season actually opens. Um, when I'm hunting for myself, I do a lot of hunting with my brother and because he's a little bit further North than I am, um, he'll go and, you know, and he's a nurse, so he has a really great schedule for this. So nice. he'll go down to all the little public pockets that we can find be like, crossing them off, you know, saw 10 birds here, saw 20 here, you know, and, and we'll look and scout. Um, and one of the things that we really want to avoid, one of the things we want to look out for um, are roosting areas, because typically what we find is that by the time the season opens, um, the, the birds that are going to be roosted there, if you're walking in, and they're roosted, you're going to push them off yep. and they're probably not going to come back until midday. And a lot of people just don't have time to hunt until midday or mid morning even. So one of the things we're trying to avoid are places where the birds are going at night. So those are places we'll cross off or we'll say, Hey, you know, this might be a place for an evening hunt. If we can't find them in the morning, we'll at least know they'll be there in the late afternoon or the, or the evening. Um, the next thing we look for is um, is access lot is access points. Um, so we want to make sure that where we're going in, we're we're always going in through public land um, or or through the appropriate access. And then from there, 
Well, what we do is we keep a history of, okay, we hunted this place and we know that most people are going to set up over here, or over here, depending on the wind. Maybe we can get further than that. So if a spot is really, really small, if it's a really tight spot, even if it has birds, we're probably not going to hunt there because everybody else already knows about it. Um, so one of the things we look for like later in the season, it are um, like bigger wide open pockets of um, trout streams because a lot of times the easement for the trout stream um, also allows for hunting. And if you can find a spot where like beavers have built a dam and they've created a little bit of a lake, especially with moving water, that might stay open longer than some of just the little pothole type ponds. Um, and you can usually find birds on them. And it's the, the trout stream thing is really nice because the trout fishermen have hammered everything down. So it's usually a pretty slick walk in there. And then if you've got moving water and you've got birds around and you're maybe two or three miles from where the, the DNR parking lot is, you're going to have a lot more success. And that's, it's, it's, it's funny to hear you say that. Cause usually I, I do the same thing. I, when I'm looking at a map, I'm looking for a radius around the parking spot and I'm looking around two miles plus. I'm not even most of the time. I don't even, I won't spend a lot of time. That's anything inside that unless it's just kind of a hidden gym that no one else knows about. But generally speaking, I mean, especially here in Wisconsin, for those of you that, that are local, you guys, you guys know um, hunting the state of Wisconsin can, can be a challenge because it's just getting away from people and, uh, you know, during duck season, especially, and then, and then you roll right into deer season. So then you're, you know, you're running into other hunters and there's just all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on. So what I would say to you is don't be afraid to get out and, um, and, 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 and go. Uh, I, one thing I see becoming right now, a big trend and very popular with hunters is the, the e-bikes and a lot of those e-bikes now they're super quiet motors and they allow you to push in a little bit further and you know, get to some of those harder to reach spots. Um, and then if you got a hike, you know, you just lock your bike to a tree and off you go. Um, you know, don't be, don't be scared of it. And it's really anywhere. It's and, 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 and I think a lot of guys, and I hate to say it, but it's almost like the dawn of the lazy hunter, right? Um, people just <laughs> won't, they don't walk too far from the truck. And then, uh, I see it all the time, especially during deer season. I'm sure you do too here in Wisconsin. People just don't get too far from the truck. Um, I also, you know, I have the advantage. I lived in Arizona for eight years and, um, man, you don't go anywhere out there without hiking two or three miles just to get to a spot that's, that's, um, off the road. Cause the animals are pretty smart because you can drive everywhere out there. So uh, I'm, I'm just used right. to it and, and conditioned for it. But I think for those of you that, um, are, you know, here, that's how that's, it's, it's such a same approach. Um, one thing I learned today, you know, just right here, trout streams and beaver dams, never thought of that. Um, yeah. That's really a, a great idea. So uh, if you're in Wisconsin, try that and push up um, and, and, and try to find that beaver dam along a trout stream. And that's a great, great strategy and a great, great tip right there for those of you that are um, here in Wisconsin. So um thanks for all of that. You know, again, just to recap what Mike shared, um, if you got a map one, make sure where you're going, make sure it's public. So you're not coming into conflict with homeowners. Uh, there are certain places and situations where, uh, you might be on public ground, but a homeowner lives nearby and they might complain. 
Um, just, just be respectful. That's the biggest thing there. Um, you guys know this, I mean, preaching to the choir, you know, you know, right from wrong, just be respectful and move on, apologize and say, see you later. Have a great day. Um, you know, find birds on the water, avoid roosting areas, uh, double check your access points and push further away from people. I think that's the biggest thing. If you got a, a small area, but you got great access, um, you know, that might be a, that might be a challenge. Um, maybe consider going someplace where the access isn't so, so easy, um, but make sure you have the proper access points based on wind. So the birds are actually coming to you and not flying away from you. Yep. Um, what about decoy setup? Do you hunt, do you hunt much over decoys? Yeah. So that, um, that varies a lot depending on what we're seeing, what's around, um, if we're getting into the later part of the season where, you know, where we are hiking that far just to find a couple of birds in the morning, um, I'm probably not carrying that many decoys, you know, maybe six or eight really good high quality flocked head decoys in a slotted bag. Um, those slotted bags are awesome because they can double as your blind bag. You know, you stick your box of shells under one decoy and, and, you know, you should be okay that way. Um, if the, the, the one exception to the access thing I'll say is that seems like for the early teal, at least in my area, they don't care about how many people are around. Like if they want to be on a spot, they're going to be there. And right. I is about those birds, but you can hammer those birds all day long in the same spot. So if you find an easy spot with a lot of teal on it, just keep going there until they leave. Um, so for teal, we'll, we'll usually run a bigger spread, you know, maybe two dozen with some mojos, but you know, as far as motion goes, we'll usually just rely on a jerk cord, um, for anything other than teal seems like birds have figured out the spinning wing decoy situation. So we try to at, um, a lot of times it just gives them, give, give them something different, something that maybe they're not used to seeing. Um, especially for those of you guys in the Southern States, as the season progresses, they've already been through Wisconsin. They've already been down through Illinois and, um, the further South they go, the smarter they get, I feel like. So yeah, <laughs> definitely just important for you guys from a strategy perspective, don't be afraid to shake things up and give them something totally different that they're maybe not used to seeing. So they come to you and they have to come investigate they're pretty creative. I mean, they, and, and they're pretty smart, but um, you just got to kind of think outside the box a little bit and almost, I don't want to say trick them. It's not the right words, but just give them something different to look at. So that again, their curiosity gets the better of them. And I think that goes a long way when you're thinking about, you know, I've heard guys just taking Coke bottles and wrapping them in black and, and yep. black tape, and then just throwing Coke bottles out. Cause again, it just gives them something different, provides contrast when it's sitting on the water. Yeah, one one thing that um, that I'm a, a really big proponent of is understand what birds on the water look like. And if you just type in a quick Google image of, you know, aerial view of ducks on the water, I mean, you're going to have millions of hits for that. And so what we've done is, you know, there, there's the guys who do the J hook and that's all they throw out is a J hook or a U or a W style, um, you know, a W style decoy pattern or whatever, where they're trying to get the birds to go into one pocket. And that can be effective. Um, 
you know, especially with like divers where, where they are looking for those long lines and those big rafts. Um, but around here, you know, we're not seeing flocks of 200, 300 birds. We're seeing flocks of 20, 20 to 50. So, and this is my own personal preference, but, you know, I would rather somebody, you know, puts a hole in a decoy and, and shoots a really nice big plumed out Drake Mallard than, you know, throw a J hook and have everything turn away. Right. right. Like I exactly look right so that we're at least going to get a chance to shoot. And that's just one, one more thing you can do to kind of differentiate yourself from everybody else. Yeah. And that's a great, a great thing. Like don't follow the norms to be quite honest. I always look at the norms and try to do the exact opposite. Cause if everybody's doing the same thing, right. They catch on yeah. and they catch on really fast. Yeah. Put, you know, put some decoys up, you know, if you're hunting, like, um, I'll try not to spot burn it too bad, but there's a little piece of public land just West of Madison. And it's, it, I mean, people know about it. It's, it's a known area, but one thing that we would do is, you know, we take, um, I mean, you can do it with a wire coat hanger, but you take a wire coat hanger and you, you unfold it and then you wrap it around the keel and you stick it in the ground. So it looks like there's birds actually up on the shore and like, you know, in, in a flock of birds, they're not all going to be on the water, right? right. You're going to have some walking up, you're going to have the grass, you're going to have, you know, they're, you're going to have a couple that want to be really close and a couple that want to be spread apart. So the more you can do to make it look realistic the better your opportunity to actually shoot some birds is going to be there you go um just tricks of the trade right there so well listen mike man i i, I do appreciate your time and being here and uh you know want to thank you for that number one number two want to thank our listeners for tuning in we appreciate you guys for jumping on here if you're if you're new to the sport or just looking for something different or maybe you just want to come check out wisconsin and all its glory and beauty um, I will say it's one of the most beautiful areas, but one of the most uh, challenging areas that you'll probably ever hunt. Um, as Mike, I know, can attest to, it's definitely one of the uh, weirder states that I've ever hunted in and that he's ever hunted in, um, just due to some of the the public challenges that you you run across, because so much of our land here is is private. Um, but I would encourage you to go check out, again, it's howtohuntoutfitters.com. You can see it right here on your screen. So you'll know you're in the right place. I mean, literally how to hunt outfitters and, uh, just reach out to Mike. Maybe you're considering a, a duck hunt, or maybe you're, you know, maybe you are a seasoned duck hunter and you may want to try something else. and want to get into pheasant hunting or turkey hunting or deer hunting, give, uh, give Mike a call and connect with him and his team and go check them out. So, um, Mike, thanks again for being here, man. Do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. All right, my friends. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you on the next episode of Knee Deep in the Duck Line. We'll talk to you all soon. We are duck hunting fanatics. Knee deep in the duck blind. If it flies, it dies. <laughs> <laughs>